welcome to episode 32 of Between the Shadows. We are your hosts. This is Kristen. This is Kara. Thank you all so much for joining us for episode 32. Mm-hmm. And this is part three of the Dream Curse. So I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time here. When we last talked, uh, David last had the dream. Uh, we are up to Willie now, but there has been a bit of a stall because Barnabas has paid Sam Evans to age the portrait of Angelique, mm-hmm. but it kind of failed because she figured out who it was and went and got her painting and blinded blinded Sam Evans when he tried to finish. So that's where we are. So it is a, it's a pretty quick um, lead-in. There's not really a whole lot to explain, and um, got, this is going to be our last installment of the Dream Curse, <laughs> um, at least at least the bulk of it, because uh, it, it does last for quite some time, and it, it does span several, several episodes. But we're um, last time, I think we said we were at the halfway mark, but I think we're going to get it all finished this time. And so let's just get on top of it. So our scene opens and we are at the old house where Adam is still being held right about where Maggie was held when Barnabas had her captive and Willie's bringing him food as usual. But Willie is taunting Adam and eats his food right in front of him because he wants Adam to tell Barnabas that he's the one who stole the earrings. Yeah. Because Willie doesn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> it, this it, it enrages Adam because, as far as Adam knows, like his food, that's what he knows. He's like, "Oh, it's time to eat. I'm hungry," you know. Yeah. And they both end up in the drawing room, like it gets out of hand, and they both get out of the room and up the stairs into the drawing room, and Barnabas and Julie are just getting back yeah. from from Sam Evans' place, I believe, you know, because they were over there, and Sam was like, "This is all your fault," you know, and and he's pretty upset and rightfully so. So. Julie and Barnabas, uh, this is the scene they enter. You know, Willie and Barnabas, I'm sorry, Willie and Adam just duking it out. Yeah. And Adam overpowers Willie because it's Adam. And Barnabas hits Adam with his cane in order to get him to stop beating up on Willie. Yeah. But Adam retaliates on Barnabas and, you know, puts his hands around his neck and, you know. Mm -hmm. the, The look on Adam's face when he... You know, once he got that beating from Barnabas, it broke my heart. It yeah. was so sad. Yeah. It's like he couldn't understand, but he knows. He knows what pain is. And for Barnabas, this one that he is so attached to, to be the one to inflict it, I think in Adam's mind, he, in as much as he can understand, it caused him, like, some mental torture, you know, more than anything because he loves Barnabas, and that's who he knows, you know. Yeah. That's the one he's been attached to. And for Barnabas to beat him and cause him pain... You know, that was Willie's, I'm sorry, that was Adam's first run-in with something negative like that. And for Barnabas to be the one to inflict it, it just, it seemed kind of broke my heart a little bit. After he does that with Barnabas, um, Adam pretty much just runs out into the night um, while there's a storm overhead. And Barnabas decides that the best way to deal with Adam is to kill him at this point. They still haven't heard the message. Yeah. (laughs) He loads a shotgun and he goes after him out the door. Yeah. Um, Adam is terrified of the storm. Yeah. He's like a child, you know. Yeah, doesn't know what st- storm and lightning and rain is. And He does end up eluding Barnabas, but not before he hears Barnabas say that he has to kill Adam. Mm-hmm. So Adam learns that word and becomes fixated on it and experiences for the first time, I believe, to be anger and betrayal from the one person he's trusted up to this point. Yeah, definitely. Like Barnabas was the first person he ever saw. And he rem- he tells and reminds Barnabas of that. Like right. this was all Dr. Lang's thing, Barnabas was trying to say, but Adam... Right 
keeps reminding him, is like, but you, Barnabas, are the first one I saw. Yeah, and so. and Barnabas provided the life force, so I think there's that connection. Yeah. Even if even if Bar- Barnabas hadn't been the first one that he saw, you know, Barnabas was still the one whose life force is, again, at least partially alive in Adam, because they're both alive. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, th- this, right after taking that beating from Barnabas, he's got to be feeling so betrayed right now. Yeah. And ugh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So so Adam shows up at Collinwood while Liz is trying to put Carolyn in her place because Carolyn's pissed at Tony and, and Cassandra, you know, and, and yeah. Liz is doing this very familiar thing that we kind of heard her do when Carolyn was obsessed with Burke. Right. You know, you need right. to stop this. You know, you're such a child, you know. And, and to really sum it up here, Adam takes Carolyn. Yeah hides her in a really old dusty cellar and ends up being captured by the police. Mm-hmm. This is another uh, speed bump in the dream curse um, yeah. sequence here. Um, Willie has already had the dream and Carolyn is his summoner. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't find her at this point. Right. Right. And so she can't hear the dream because she's missing. Nobody knows where she is. And yeah. Adam has no way to communicate where she is to anyone. And he's sitting in a jail anyway. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I want to back up for just a moment because Willie's had the dream. Yeah. I want to talk about Willie's version of the dream. Mm -hmm. The way that John Carlin acted this out. Oh, yeah. Oh, (laughs) Um, yeah. I've heard some different opinions on this. I've I've heard that he's, you know, he was very over the top in the dream sequence. And he, you know, when he acts out Willie's dream. But just before Willie falls asleep, he thinks to himself about the dreams he used to have in the hospital at Wincliffe. Yeah. And he talks about having horrible nightmares. Willie was shot. And before he was shot, he was under Barnabas's power. So being in this mental hospital and not being, you know, part of Barnabas's plan or scheme or whatever, you know, being away from that, I can imagine that still he had horrible nightmares from that. And I can't even imagine yeah. the type of nightmares that he had. And and because we already talked about it, the only dream we didn't get to see was David's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no no no, we did. He got did he got the he got the 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 <clears throat> spider web. But we didn't get to see him tell his dream to Willie. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, I, I had to okay. think about that for a minute. Yeah, I was David's like, well, was I know there was web. one that we didn't see, like, the explanation or something. Right. But that's what it was. Like, the scene opened, like, the episode opened, and it was just Willie sitting on the stairs right. fuming about, holy told. crap. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, but he talks about this dream that he's getting ready to have because he's getting real sleepy and he's about to nod off. He, he says that this dream... All of my nightmares are not going to compare to this dream I'm getting ready to have. Yeah. And whether or not... Now, I, I listened to um, Tara at Collinwood when she when Penny did this episode about the dream curse. And, yeah. Um, I was listening to the explanation that she and her guests were giving at the time, and it kind of it, it kind of made me think a little. It was like, yeah, we're not we're not sure why. You know, it, we know it's a dream, but it's that that mental thing that Cassandra Angelique implanted in their minds just to be terrified of. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so that kind of makes the dream curse sequence make so much more sense. But I believe that John Carlin executed this so beautifully. Like there are times where he is screaming, and then there are other times where he's just laughing maniacally, mm-hmm. and like he he's literally like he seems like he's just on the brink of insanity and when we get to his door it's a wolf and there's growling and howling and I couldn't figure out why this was specific for Willie yeah when I see or hear a wolf all I can think about is Quentin then the werewolf and Chris Jennings yeah and I couldn't figure out why that was specific to Willie Mm -hmm. but I got to thinking about it and I I don't think it's that literal I I don't think the wolf is that literal I, I know we've had conversations about this before and 
And now I we're telling you. And now we're telling you. <laughs> I know we sort of broke our rule because we said no, no talking about dark shadows until we're podcasting. But we we did sort of break that rule. Can't help it. We can't help it. Can't help it. <laughs> I think the growling and the animal was a reminder of how he felt when Barnabas first took him under his power. Like I think back when Willie was first seen at the bar after Bert kicked his butt. Yeah. And he was weak and miserable and frightened and he just drained of all of his energy. Like looked like crap. Like mm. Willie was looked horrible. Yeah. And this is where we saw that first change in Willie. And I think that this animal and the howling and the and, and the growling was to remind Willie of a time when he was so terrified, probably the most terrified he's ever been in his entire life. Yeah. So it's like you basically, you know, when he hears the dogs howling, mm. he knows Barnabas needs him. Barnabas is near. Right. Barnabas is up to something. And I don't think that like, has gone away. I don't think that no, goes away. No, it's like PTSD. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't think I don't think the wolf was that literal. I think it was the noise and the reminder and the. I would agree with that. The too. trigger. Yeah. I, I would chop it up to that. I think so too. Sure. But going back to Adam here, being captured by the police, the guard who is keeping watch over him is very mean to him. Yeah. And very um, Barney Five like <laughs> towards yeah, him. Yeah. Adam does end up overpowering him and escaping the jail. It reminds me, because we're in October, you know, our family, my family does 31 days of Halloween. So we watch a scary movie every night. Well, the other night it was um, Young Frankenstein. Yeah. And this scene reminded me of the scene in Young Frankenstein where the monster gets captured by the police and he's taunting him with the fire, you know, when he's lighting a cigarette, you know. And I saw that and I'm like, hmm... It's like, I've seen that somewhere before, mm-hmm. right here with Adam, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the guard is just, he's a jerk to him. Even when Elizabeth comes to, you know, visit uh, Adam in the jail, you know, he, she, he's kind of like this to Elizabeth too. She was like, excuse me, son, Elizabeth Collins. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. should I talk to your sheriff? You know, so, but, but yeah, the, the, this guard definitely, it, I think, I think it was, it was, it was a page stolen out of. Frankenstein for sure but <laughs> yeah yeah so he does he does get out Adam does get out you know because he's a big dude and he overpowers him and he takes Carolyn away from the root cellar and the police chase him to Widow's Hill he's still got Carolyn yeah and Carolyn goes over but she doesn't completely go over she's she's hanging there from the cliff yeah and that had me holding my breath me too I was, I, like, I was like, like no really way no friggin way and and she she's literally for for God's sake do something do something I'm dying here I'm slipping you know yeah, yeah. and and Adam pulls her up but goes over himself yeah. Adam goes over the cliff yeah when you know when the police when the police corner him like there's no way out except for him to jump so he does like in his in his infant mind he gets that the only way out is to jump over this cliff yeah and as he's falling to the rocks below we hear the voiceover of Eric Lang's message yes, yes. you know if. Adam dies. dies, (laughs) Barnabas Collins will be as he was before. Before. Anyway, I'm sorry. (laughs) I couldn't help myself because every time. (laughs) And Barnabas is convinced that Adam is still alive. Like, he can feel it. Like, Barnabas, the same way that Adam has that connection to Barnabas, Barnabas has that connection to Adam, and he feels. He feels that Adam is alive. Yeah. But Willie, <laughs> Willie's had the dream, and his only concern is to tell Carolyn. He's like, oh, we found her? I got to go right this second. He actually even sneaks into her window and tries to tell her the dream. But That's she, right, he does. She yeah. literally isn't having it. Kicks him right out before she he even gets to finish. And so the next day, Julia, Julia calls Professor Stokes to help out with the dream curse. This is one of my favorite moments yes. in all of this dream curse. Like yeah. Stokes shines he shines in this in this area here i love it 
And honestly, this is the first time where we see Professor Stokes shine as a student yeah. of the occult. Yeah, and actually, because we get to see him actually practice. Yes, in his what he's learned <laughs> in his prime. Yes, I love it. And he he says this thing to her. I have to remind myself when I watch this scene that Julia has only has only just met the professor. She's yeah. only just met him. Yeah. And he says to her, "You have to decide whether or not you trust me." Julia called on him to help with this dream curse because he was the one responsible for bringing Cassandra into this family. Yeah. And because who else could help with this? I mean, Stokes is like, oh, student of the occult. Hey, come here. We need your help. <laughs> but it's like they're still keeping secrets from each other. Exactly. And the professor's like, I can only help you so much, but you're going to have to tell me this and this and yes. this if you want my help some more. Exactly. It's like, do you trust me or don't you? Yeah. And, and she literally says, okay. And rightfully so. Rightfully yeah. so, because he even said it. He, he was like, it's funny that you always run to me for help, but you won't tell me a thing. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So. I agree. At this moment, Julia is not entirely sure she trusts him. I, I believe that this is the point in time when Julia and others realize that per, the professor is actually someone who can be trusted. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has certainly proved himself worthy of their trust, and my 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 personal admiration of him during this dream curse. Yeah. Um, in my personal opinion, I believe that Timothy, this was, this was Timothy Stokes's time to shine as a dedicated yeah. student of the occult. I do. And there was even a point where, when Julia did go to Stokes's to recruit his help. Yeah. And he was like, okay, tell me, just tell me what's going on. Tell me the whole story. Yeah. And then at the end of her spiel, he was like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You didn't answer my question. This yes, this was um that I I literally just rewatched that again as we were as we were um, preparing for this, but it was when the dream curse was all over and he's hidden Adam away. He and Carolyn have hidden Adam away in the West Wing, and she that's wants right, help. That's when it was. She that's wants right. help finding Adam, and he was like, "Okay, first you got to answer my questions because you you didn't answer that. You mm -hmm. didn't even do that yet." Yep. And when she quote-unquote, answers his questions. He was like, well, I'm afraid I can't help you. Yeah. And anyway, so he tells Julia that he notices a pattern with the dream curse. And if he is right, Carolyn will be the last person to have the dream before it reaches Barnabas. And he begins to tell Julia what he's discovered about the dream curse, but he needs to verify some details to make sure his assumptions and his calculations are correct. Yeah. So he produces a picture of Josette Dupre. And he suggests that the witch has a sense of humor because to start this dream off, she chose Josette, who, of course, is a love of Barnabas Collins. Mm -hmm. But Julie is very quick to remind him. She's like, Maggie's not Josette. And this is not the same Barnabas of the 18th century. Yeah. But the professor suggests that they're interchangeable because they look and act the same. You guys are still telling that lie? You guys are still <laughs> telling that lie? <laughs> <laughs> and there, there is a time that comes up very soon here where the professor, you know, you know, after he helps, you know, Jeff Clark, who is actually Peter Bradford, 50 year old spoilers guy, sorry. But when, you know, he sends her, he sends him back and Barnabas wants to go back too, And he's like, look, the only way I can send you back is if you lived back then. And he was like, and what if I told you I had? And the professor goes, well, that's one of the best kept secrets in all of Collinsport, Ooh. you know? <laughs> so I yeah. think, I think Professor had, I think Professor had his, his uh, suspicions, but. Oh yeah. He was just looking for <laughs> clarification. Mm -hmm. Which and, he and, does and so much. To his assumptions. Definitely. And he does that mm -hmm. so often. It's like, I know the answer. I just want you to say it, mm -hmm. you know, because. Who am I? Exactly. Like I said, the Collinses were like a gold mine for the professor. Oh Yeah. And the professor gathers that Maggie Evans and Jeff Clark neither were close to Barnabas, and they were the first ones to have the dream. Mm -hmm. But the third to have the dream, Eric Lang, 
was very close to Barnabas. And then Julia, who we have well established the exceedingly closeness to Barnabas. Yeah. Stokes asked the question, did Barnabas or was Barnabas going through a rough time when Eric Lang and Julia had the dream? And Julia remembers that Barnabas was in fact having a very difficult time when they both had the dream. Yeah. And when I think back to this, when they both had the dream, Barnabas was in a very transitional period in his life. Yeah. He, w- he was transitioning from being a vampire into a man and was going back and forth on, you know, Feeling the need for blood and feeling, feeling human. Withdrawal. Yeah. And I can imagine this coupled with Victoria Winters turning down his marriage proposal. This was a very particularly difficult time for that him. That too. And him, Barnabas, fighting yeah. his hatred towards Jeff because of Vicky. Yes. And, the, and then overcoming that himself and being like, no, don't hurt him. Leave exactly. Him alone. Exactly. He was, yeah, he was going through a lot. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And... So when Mrs. Johnson and David both had the dream, the crisis had sort of resolved itself... So people who were, the way that Professor Stokes says it, comparative strangers, yeah, had the dream. You mm-hmm. know, Mrs. Johnson and David, they weren't real close to Barnabas. You know, he knew them, but not, you know, not real close to him. Yeah. And now that Barnabas is having a difficult time again, dealing with Adam, yeah. you know, trying to figure out whether or not do I kill him? Is this the best way to deal with him? You know, what what's going to happen to me? Yeah. Someone close to him has had the dream again, which in this case is Willie Loomis. Yeah. So... This is the evidence and the assumptions and the calculation, the calculations that the professor had come up with while he was questioning everybody who had had the dream, yeah. along, along with Julia's answer. Yeah. So now <laughs> the professor has come up with a brilliant idea, brilliant plan to have the dream curse change with Carolyn. And it's, it is so brilliant. Yeah. It is so great. Yeah. They call Carolyn over, you know, and they insist, like Willie and or Stokes insists that Willie tell Carolyn the dream. Mm-hmm. And that she has the dream immediately, like this night. Yeah. And he plans to insert himself into Carolyn's version of the dream as her beckoner. Yeah. So that he can come face to face with uh-huh. the witch in his own version of the dream instead of Barnabas. Like, take Barnabas out of the equation completely. I'll be Barnabas. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll be the one putting my life on the line instead of Barnabas. Yeah. And, ugh. So Stokes did put himself on the line in place of Barnabas. If the dream had reached Barnabas, it would kill him. But the professor thinks that since he's going to take Barnabas's place and be Carolyn's beckoner right. and ha- have the dream himself, it would be his life instead of Barnabas. Yeah. So <laughs> I wonder, personally, I wonder if Stokes had another ulterior motive when inserting himself into the dream curse. I mean, obviously this fascinates him, but... I mean, he does want to help wherever he can, but he was so eager to jump into the dream curse and involve himself, you know. And I think this was an opportunity for him to to experience a piece of the occult in a way that he never had before. And I think this also motivated him to want to help, you know. I also kind of think it was for his own selfish um, interest because we have already heard him tell Vicky and Barnabas was in the room as well um, about his past with Ben. Yeah. And all the studying he's been doing and trying to regather all of this stuff and information and diaries and stuff. And he knows that there was a witch in those midst with Ben and back in those days. Right. He Like, he knows all this stuff. He won't tell you, but he knows. Yeah, yeah. And I think that also has something to do with, because I think he feels like this is an answer to what he's been looking for. Yes, yes. And and, and I think I think he, he assumes or suspects that the witch that plagued Ben Stokes is this witch That's, too. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes I yes. agree. Good, I, I think that had a lot point. to do with it as well. I agree. Good point. Whew. But it does work. It does. It does. The professor hypnotizes Carolyn in order to, uh, to make himself her beckoner in her dream just by suggesting it into her mind as she stares into his eyes. Oh, 
great, right? It, it reminds me of Somewhere in Time. Yeah. Christopher Reeves, you know, yeah. his character um, has been told by another very smart professor yeah. that he can travel back in time just by hypnotizing and, and, and suggesting to his mind. your brain. Yeah. Yes. To, to think that it's earlier or later than it actually is. That, mm-hmm. That's what this reminded me of. Like, mm-hmm. Stokes didn't use magic. He just used suggestion and hypnotic, shoot, Hypnosis? Hypnosis, thank you. <laughs> I can't think. <laughs> it kind of, it's totally off topic, but quick bunny trail, but watching Doctor Who lately, there was an episode where, you know, the doctor took away his memory and his whole DNA yes. and stuff, but he had that pocket watch just in case, yes. and it brings you right back. The fob watch, Even yeah. like in Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeves, he had that little penny in his little yeah. pocket just for A emergency. A way to get back, to, yeah. Uh, flash you back immediately. No, don't get me talking about Doctor Who. I'll talk all I day know. about it with you. <laughs> but th- th- I kind of feel like, that's what's you know. You're Stokes right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like, like taking him, inserting himself somewhere else by manipulation and hypnosis and whatever. I I, I um, hesitate to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I kind of wish. I had had I, I had some kind of experience with hypnosis. Nobody's ever tried it on me. That I know of. <laughs> I, 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 I've definitely been interested for sure. Just uh, definitely. Because I don't think I, I think that's all psychological. I don't think there's any black magic or witchcraft yeah. to do with that. I think it's all yeah. It's but all and it holds up because Stokes was never manipulated. Like no. he, he was too strong to fall to be manipulated or yes. Um, hypnotized really and unless he was willing but he was yeah. too, he's too strong yeah of a character even julia almost for that matter right, right she's just too strong of a character um and personality to fall for that exactly and i i don't know i think this is i think stokes is kind of a reason to watch dark shadows he's, he's one of the many reasons to watch dude they are david i mean he was he was incredible and oh my i god i mean wow <laughs> every character he brought to the screen in dark shadows he fully 110% committed. And he left his mark for sure oh, with every character. Oh my gosh. And he had some of the best variety of characters oh, on yeah. the show. Yeah. Between Potofi and Ben and Elliot. And Sandor. And Sandor, thank you. Yeah. But yeah. Praise. Praise, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Stokes immediately has the dream afterwards. Now I have to, okay, I'm sorry. Let me back up just a second. After, after Carolyn has the dream she, you know, and she tells the professor, and professor finds out it worked. Oh, he is so proud of himself, so <laughs> satisfied. The look on his face is his smile smirk. Yes. he's like, "Well, hell yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." That worked. <laughs> but then, but then he immediately gets somber again, and he goes, "Okay, I gotta stop congratulating myself. The real work starts now." Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now you're in it. <laughs> yeah, so he makes himself just fall asleep at the drop of a hat, you mm-hmm. know. And for him, it's a very lucid dream, yeah. very lucid, and he makes makes his beckoner speak he won't open the door until he hears his voice yeah and his beckoner is sam evans Mm -hmm. and he doesn't let sam lead the way and rather he walks to the door himself yeah opens up the door and literally kicks sam out goodbye yeah and it locks it and before sam even has a moment stokes says the riddle himself through sight and sound and faceless terror you know oh my gosh and he stands in the corridor and he waits Mm -hmm. he waits for the witch he doesn't go to the door he hears the tinkling music won't let it phase him. He waits. Mm-hmm. He says, Just come waits. out, come out wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm yeah. ready for you. And <laughs> and he calls to her and calls to her. And he's like, I'm waiting. Here I am. And a door opens. And there is not Cassandra. Angelique. In her period clothes. Yes. And her long, gorgeous blonde oh curls. Oh, my gosh. And that I- gave me 
Shivers. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. And I, I love, I love this showdown between Timothy Stokes and Angelique. Gosh. And, and so I, I think, here in my opinion, and, and maybe there's proof of it later on, but my opinion, I think Angelique showed up as Angelique and not Cassandra because Professor knew Cassandra. And I think maybe she was trying to throw him off the trail, but... But I think she kind of she kind of screwed herself because I think Stokes was looking for Angelique because he knew Exa- that yes. she existed. Yes. And I don't think she knew that, but anyway. So either way, whether she showed up as Cassandra or Angelique, she was screwed either way, I think. No one's really been able to stump her and trick her and yeah. put her plan in at a, at, a, at a stalemate. Yes. Like Stokes did. Yes. Nobody ever did that. Definitely. She tries to break him and and break him down and make him question himself and make him cave to her, but he won't do it. Mm -hmm. She tries to get him to look behind the doors and he won't. And he believes, he's like, well, this is all power of suggestion. If I say it's not going to happen, it's not going to. Yeah. And he's right. You know, she tries to convince him that he has been Ben Stokes this whole time. And she said, I can make you, he was like, well, Ben was ignorant. I'm I'm not. She's like, I can make you as ignorant as Ben Stokes. And he was like, no, you can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. And I think he gets very, very slightly tripped up. Just just a little bit when he looks into her eyes. But he mm-hmm. very quickly looks away mm-hmm. so he doesn't get lost in them. Mm-hmm. You know? And why won't you look into my eyes? Because I don't trust him. So she draws the pitchfork in his hand and tells him that he will look behind the doors. And she tells him that if he refuses, he will be left there for all eternity. Yeah. A statue amidst all this ruin. And just for a slight second, it looked like it had worked, but he closes his hand. He goes, Cassandra. And she's like, excuse me. You know, didn't Mm -hmm. expect him to do that. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, it seemed like the spell works for just a second. She turns around to go and, and Stoke shouts out after her, Cassandra Collins, you Mm -hmm. know, and oh man, I was like, yeah, professor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's got the high ground. And she, she just says, go to the door. And he says, no, so she says, your, heart be- your heart's beating faster and faster. She goes, no, it isn't, because I won't allow it. Yep. So she says, you are mute. You can't speak. Just raising her voice a little bit mm-hmm. every time. And Professor Stoke just says, you're up to your old tricks. Don't you have any new ones? You've just grown very lazy, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can just see it on her face. She's getting so frustrated mm-hmm. and maybe just a little bit scared, you know? Again, she hasn't been faced like this ever. Right. Ever. And she, so she looks at him, you know, with that tight look, and she goes, you will die. And the professor comes back with, yes, of course I'm going to die in my own bed of natural causes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not like your hand. And then he's like, I could never forget your face the day you came into my class and the day I introduced you to Roger Collins. Yeah. And he's, you've, you've used me quite enough. And he's like, now that I know who you are and what you are, and that's enough for Angelique. Yeah. She disappears. You have not won yet, Ben Stokes, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so, so once she disappears, Julia's shaking him awake. Wake up, wake up, yeah, you know. Yeah. He do want a sherry, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want a sherry, yeah. too, after that. <laughs> like, I need a drink, though. Yeah, that's that was pretty much it. He's like, I, I, I'd love sherry. I'm like, I think I would, too. And he <laughs> also mentions that after waking up, he feels no compulsion to tell no. what he saw. No, none. Because he didn't have that. He, again, was just that strong of mind and strong of will that... Yeah. He was in control the whole time. It, the, the dream curse was never meant for, for the professor. It never was. Right. He probably wasn't even going to be a part of the dream curse. No. No. Obviously. Because because if the dream curse had followed through the way it was supposed to, Carolyn would have had the dream and then Barnabas. Mm-hmm. And it would have been over, you know? Mm-hmm. We could have ended this a whole lot sooner than it did, but... <laughs> But then we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have been able to see the professor in all of his glory. But yeah. 
But he stopped the dream curse dead in its tracks. And he felt so satisfied at the end that he had won. He had faced the witch with very little to no fear at all and had beat her at her own game. And this is the moment where where Professor Stokes became my very favorite person in this whole series. What Mm -hmm. a freaking badass, dude. Mm -hmm. I love it. Although he says, you know, he's like, yeah, this is, you know, we've done this. He's like, but... They have to look at this like a war, and then it'll only be a matter of time before the troops are rallied again. You right. Know? He was like, this ain't the end. He won just... the battle, not the war. Yeah, exactly. So as usual, there is a knock at the door, and it is Sam Evans, whom the professor has never met before. Right. He uh, never knew of him until this dream, actually. Mm-hmm. And Sam tells him that he had the compulsion to come to the old house, and in his mind, the name Stokes was said. Mm-hmm. But the professor is successful. Is successful and not telling Sam any details about his dream, no mm-hmm. matter how hard Sam pressed him. Mm-hmm. So Sam arrives back at his home. Um, at first he thinks he's all alone, but finds out that he isn't. Yeah. And we remember that Sam is blind because of Angelique, and all of a sudden we see Adam standing over him with a knife. And um, an even more messed up face than he had before after j- jumping slash falling off the widow's yeah. hill. he survived. He survived. Again, which makes me wonder, was that was that Dr. Lang's intent to make him so strong that he survived a jump from Widow's Hill? I I just don't I I don't think that could have been um, planned or predicted at all. Honestly, I mean, I mean, they a happy happenstance. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, but Sam does take good care of Adam. He mentions it does feel good to take care of someone again since people have been taking care of him since his blindness and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, he begins teaching Adam how to speak and all the things Barnabas and Julia couldn't do. And yeah. we said this before. Barnabas said it himself. Like he's like, "You'll find me a horrible teacher." Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Sam knew what Adam was. Yeah. He knew, even though he couldn't see. He knew that this was the man who he had was, heard all the stories before yeah. he went blind. He's like, I know that you know he's the one terrorizing Collinwood, but he understood that Adam never actually broke the law. Yeah, like Adam never did break the law. Like, he never killed anyone, you Until know. Until he escaped out of jail. Well, yeah. Yeah. Even even then, he didn't kill anybody except himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't even kill the jailer. He just knocked him out, you yeah. know. And Adam just needed a friend to be, like, patient and understanding. And I, I love that Sam gave this to him. I yeah. love that Sam wasn't afraid of him and, you know, yeah. called the cops immediately. He's like, come here, I'll help you. Yeah. And he was an extra special man to give this so selflessly, you know. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> Cassandra's trying to plan. Yeah, she's she's planning and plotting. Another way to get around this. She she pulls her old tricks on Tony again, and Professor Stokes has disrupted her plans, so now she's got to get even. Mm-hmm. She wants Tony to kill the professor. She wants yeah. him to go to his house and put a poison in his drink. Yeah. But Professor, at this moment, he's gathering all this information about Vicky's adventure in the past so that he can better understand why Cassandra's out for blood. Yeah. And so now he's figured Cassandra and Angelique, they're the same person. This is the witch he's been searching for all this time. Mm-hmm. And they're interrupted by Tony Peterson, who has come calling on Cassandra's orders. Yeah. He, uh, he comes under the guise of needing information about an ancient cross that he found. You know, he didn't even give his real name, you know. And the professor invites him in to have Sherry, and Stokes finds a reason to leave the room. And he, he knows, he has a feeling that Tony is there to harm him yeah. for the witch, yeah. you know. And Tony takes the bait, pours the poison in. Stokes ends up switching the glasses back, and Tony collapses. So <laughs> so as soon as he realizes that Tony's on the ground, he picks up the phone, calls Collinwood, Julia, and he's like, hey, I think I killed somebody. Can you come here? Yeah, yeah. So, so she gets down there immediately, and um, they figure out pretty quickly that Tony is, in fact, a pawn, you know, in Angelique's game. Yeah. And Professor deduces that 
they they got to find someone who's not affected by her or can't be affected by her to help deal with her. Yeah. You know, somebody not human. And someone, someone you never thought alive. you would ever want to bring back up. Yeah. They go calling on Reverend Trask. Reverend freaking Trask. Reverend freaking Trask. And but but they're kind of right. I mean, he's not human. He's no longer alive. So Cassandra doesn't can't really have any power over him. Yeah. And it's a it's he's likely to come back to right this wrong that he did so long ago. Mm-hmm. So thanks to Ben's journals, they have they they have a little they have a little to go on um to find out where Trask is buried, but some lines are missing. Yeah. But it's as if Ben Stokes stepped through time and wrote on the pages through Timothy Stokes. Like, he, he was putting the pen yes. to the paper and just all of a sudden started writing. Yeah, the blank space. And Julia's like, you did that on purpose. He's like, I promise you, I didn't. Yeah. You know, but I think because Stokes is so open to that, Ben was able to step through mm-hmm. the centuries mm-hmm. and help, you know, because mm-hmm. we all know how Ben Stokes felt about Trask. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, you know, wouldn't, would, wouldn't even call him reverend, you know. Yeah. yeah. And they discover where Trask is walled up. Not buried. But not buried. He is walled up. <laughs> not even a little buried. <laughs> And right about this time, once they figure out where they got to go, Tony wakes up embarrassed and wants to hang his head and leave. And <laughs> But Professor has other plans. He, he wants to go to, he, or he wants Tony's help to contact Trask and to tell Cassandra that her plan worked so that pro- the Professor can be more free to move, yes. you know, yes. and have time to fight her. Yes. You know, like, go back and tell her I'm dead. Tell her mm-hmm. the plan worked. So that's what he does. And they do end up having the seance. It's Stokes and Tony and Julia. Mm-hmm. In the basement of the old house right in front of the alcove. Did Willie participate? No. Okay, I couldn't remember. Mm-mm. But Tony is the one that Trash speaks through, and the wall of the alcove where Barnabas walled him up mm-hmm. begins to crumble. Yeah. It begins to move, and it yep. starts to crumble, and it reveals a skeleton. A Skellington, Jack. A Skellington, yep, Jack Skellington, baby. <laughs> Jack Skellington. It's almost Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is but, Halloween. And it, re- <laughs> and it reveals a skeleton. I can't say that word. without. It reveals a skeleton. And a few moments later, the skeleton disappears. And the professor wanted to summon Trask to take care of Cassandra and right his wrongdoing back in... 1795. It, Stokes says this thing. He's he was like Reverend. He was like come. He was like come to us. He was like I know my. He was like you knew my ancestor Ben Stokes. He wouldn't call you Reverend, but I'm willing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> take yeah. care of this, please. <laughs> but when Trask finally does show up, he's interested in one person, only one person. When he comes back, mm. he attacks Barnabas as soon as he returns. Yeah, yeah. He traps him in the alcove where he was for 200 years, and Julia keeps looking for him and assumes he'll find the note she left to come. To Collinwood to find him, but mm-hmm. she goes there like at least two or three times that we see and to check. Picks and up the note and the says, note's still there and Willie's like, uh, I don't know. And mm-hmm. he just disappeared. I mean, he's probably gone. Yeah. On a trip or something. Yeah. Or out getting something. Who knows? Yeah. So there's literally no one around to save him. Yeah. Again, and he is purely human now thanks to Adam and mm-hmm. this could very well kill him if someone doesn't find him. I, I want to... I want to talk about something here real quick. It's a theory that I've had and I don't base this. This is, this is pure. What, what do they call it in court? Conjecture? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speculation. <laughs> but Trask was able to wall him up in that alcove. Like Trask was very tangible at this time. Like you could literally reach out and touch him. Yeah. My question is, did he use Tony's body? Yeah. To do was it? it Tony's body? Was it Tony's body and Trask's spirit? I, I, I have been thinking about that, studying for this episode and, and wondering about that. And I kind of think that Trask, 
his spirit. I think he used Tony Peterson to accomplish all the things because later on he gets Cassandra too. Yeah. You know, he, he, he ties her up to the tree. We, we, he does this. He's very tangible. He can do this. It's I mean, not it's like, not you know. It's not that far-fetched. Far it's really yeah. not. Because in, in these moments when we see this, we don't see Tony at all, you know. And it just, I, I don't know. I just, it's something I, mean, I it's wondered about. it's a very about. good theory. And, and it's, it's pretty interesting to me that, that Trask was more interested in getting revenge on Barnabas than he was to get Cassandra. He, I mean, he was such what, an it's, avid... It's like always. He was always blind. Yeah. And getting the wrong people. Exactly. All the time. He was such an avid witch hunter in life. But it was like he had tunnel vision and, and set on making Barnabas pay for what he did to him. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, it just goes to show the kind of person that Trask was because... Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, so you're not true to what you say. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But after we see that, basically, um, we're back at the Evans cottage and... Sam is, you know, still teaching and talking to Adam, teaching him new words and phrases. And when Adam suddenly becomes troubled, mm -hmm. Sam, of course, um, can't see him to find out what's really wrong. But he can tell that Adam keeps holding his wrists. Mm -hmm. And Sam assumes he hurt himself when he jumped from the cliff. Adam can choke out Barnabas Hurt. Hurt. Barnabas yeah. Hurt. And runs out of the house and throws Joe aside like a ragdoll. <laughs> Joe hits the ground so fast. It's hilarious. <laughs> and Barnabas and Adam are linked through their life force. And Adam can tell when Barnabas is in trouble or is hurt and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like that twin thing. Almost. Yeah, like it's, a, it's crazy. So This is all like simultaneously happening like next to each other. Trask has got Barnabas and yeah. Adam is, is at uh, yeah. Sam's house. But I mean, so Trask turns the coffin room in the old house into a courtroom. <laughs> this was crazy. It was. And the people he called back for the yeah. jury. I'm yeah. like, wow. Like, like the, the jury is all Barnabas's victims. Like, like this is all who is sitting on the jury. Yeah. So he, yeah, he, he convenes, he convenes this panel of, of Barnabas's victims to be his jury and a judge to uh, judge Barnabas quote unquote fairly for his try his crimes. Well, he, and Barnabas mentions it real quick though, but the, the one jury member that was called that wasn't a victim of Barnabas's curse was Jeremiah. Yeah. He he wasn't technically a victim of the no, curse. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. And he even said that in the scene. He's like, he, that's irrelevant. Like, that... He died in a shooting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he died in a duel, not because of the curse. Yeah. But, so, so it's Jeremiah Collins, Ruby Tate, Maude Browning, Suki Forbes, and Nathan Forbes. Yeah. Trask calls on a man named Ezra Simpson, who was a criminal, to, to preside over this makeshift courtroom mm -hmm. and uh, declares that the trial of Barnabas will begin now. But but Ezra Simpson was a criminal. He was, you know, and Barnabas was like, well, that's not fair. He's like, you're judging me, but this guy is a criminal, too. He's like, no, what? that's the best person to, to judge is another criminal. He calls on Nathan Forbes, and Nathan tells the makeshift courtroom that Barnabas strangled every single victim present, and Barnabas is found guilty, of course. Now, that's not the truth, because he didn't strangle Jeremiah. Jeremiah died from a gunshot. Yeah. Trask walls him up and leaves him for dead. And mm. Julia is upstairs once again looking for Barnabas, and she can hear laughter coming from the cellar. Yeah. And she investigates and doesn't see anything out of the ordinary, but she can tell something isn't right because the alcove is walled up. Yeah. Last she saw, there was a skeleton hanging there, you know? And I do remember, though, there was one line that Trask, when Barnabas was like, he, this guy's a murderer, this guy's a criminal. Mm -hmm. And uh, Trask, he um, he's like, who better to judge a condemned man than another condemned man? But why? But why? Because Trask is twisted and yeah. horribly wrong in everything he does. Golly, Moses. 
So Cassandra, I love this scene coming up here, you guys. It's one of my favorites. I had to I had to watch it a few times. But <laughs> yeah. so Cassandra's up to her old tricks and, and she she tries to call on Tony, but Stokes intercepts him as soon as he opens the door to leave, mm-hmm. you know. Stokes tells uh, Stokes knows that Cassandra's planning on something in order to make Sam Evans have the dream. And he warns Tony, please resist her as much as you possibly can. You know, I mean, do your very best. And he and he heads over to the Evans cottage. Yeah. And just after the professor gets there, I'm sorry, you guys, I love this so much. <laughs> Cassandra shows up with some t- pipe tobacco for Sam. Yeah. And Maggie invites her in, and she comes face to face with the professor she thought she had killed. And the execution of this scene is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Again, just, it's that look on Stokes's face where he's like. <laughs> hey, bitch. Like a, no. <laughs> a smile. He's like, gotcha. She, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she just got this like beyond shocked look on her face, and Professor is just standing there and offers this cunning, satisfied, and I gotta add Victoria's smile, almost as if to say, "You failed. Here I am. I'm standing." Yeah. <laughs> I'm still standing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Cassandra plays it off and and asks Professor, "How have you been?" He's like, "Alive and kicking." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. it. And she's like, I think he might outlive us all. He was like, I shouldn't be a bit surprised. <laughs> and I like this too, though, because um, Cassandra goes to leave and the professor calls out after her and asks her to give Vicky a message about her painting. Yeah, yeah. He tells her that he's no longer interested in buying it. He's like, I found out her portrait was a copy. And I've discovered the original. Yes. I was like, yes. It, it was kind of Stokes's way of saying, mm-hmm. um, I know who you are and this is work. I can do this too. Yeah. I can it's like, I'm on to you. <laughs> and this is the point where Stokes let Cassandra know he was on to her and yeah. this is war. This is war. This yep. is war. And, and he leaves, but not before he swipes the tobacco. Like, mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. this is why I love Stokes, you guys. He is just, he's... God, golly Moses, he's so clever. Yeah. He knows that that tobacco is intended to make to Sam sleep. Curse going. Yeah. yeah. And this time when Cassandra calls to Tony, he comes and she is pissed off. Mm-hmm. She is pissed off. Mm-hmm. She knows he lied to her about the professor and she yeah. intends to punish him. Yeah. And she tries to punish him by making him fall in love with her the moment he kisses her. But this doesn't happen because Tony realizes they are being watched. And they're being watched by Elizabeth. Yeah. And he uses this moment to run away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Elizabeth wastes no time in confronting no, Cassandra No, she never it. does. Especially after she's been on um, Carolyn about this already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when she actually does see it, yeah, she's on her right away. She causes Elizabeth to be consumed by the thought of death. Mm. More than that, her own death. Yeah. Like, just obsessed with the thought. Mm. And this becomes a thing for quite some time throughout the show, uh, for a while. So this scene reminds me, way back in the beginning with Laura, when she goes to confront Laura Collins after she catches her and Burke together. And Laura causes her to be catatonic, and she has to go to the hospital. Well, the same thing happens to Liz. She becomes very obsessed with her own death and eventually becomes hospitalized. And so it kind of reminds me of that. And once again, Carolyn is going to be put in charge again. But this time, Carolyn is just a little bit older, a little bit more mature, and she does a much better job this time. She mm-hmm. did a great job back then, too. But this time, I feel like she does a pretty she's fantastic job. 18. She's 20, 21, maybe yeah. now. <laughs> you and know, and she's been old. through some stuff, man. She's been through some stuff. She's dealt with some stuff. And yeah, exactly. She's maturing. Agreed. And it definitely shows throughout the entire show. Yeah. So we flash back to the cottage. Maggie's there, and, you know, she notices that the package at first that um, Cassandra left for Sam is gone. She's like, I left it right here on the table. Yeah. But then she gets to, th- um, she goes into her purse, and she discovers um, the mysterious earrings again. Yeah. 
and she puts them on and suddenly feels compelled to go down to the old house again. Mm -hmm. And Joe has gone to the Blue Well to try to get Sam to come home. He's out drinking with his friends. Yep. But a sober Sam, though. I yeah, love. Yeah. I, I, I love that he's still... A recreational drinker. Sam, you know. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And he runs into Willie and beats the crap out of him for trying to see Maggie. Yeah. And he storms off and Willie comes into the cottage anyway. Mm. And Maggie attempts to attend to Willie's face and Adam comes in and sees the scene and says, Willie bad. Willie bad. Yeah. Willie bad. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Adam. <laughs> It's so precious, though. I mean, you know, it's because it's, it's like a child. It's, yeah. You know, Willie, Barnabas hurt. Willie bad. Willie bad, yeah. It's so <laughs> pitiful. And, it, yeah, you know, but yeah. but Willie tries to diffuse uh, the confused Adam. Yeah. Adam is still very upset with Willie, and he can kind of articulate how he's feeling thanks to Sam. He's yeah. actually taught him meanings of words, right. not just words, but the meaning. Right. But it's no use. Yeah. Um, Sam enters the house and tries to help Adam. Like he's been doing, but Maggie has already hurt Adam. Yeah, she she came at him with a yeah something with a chair yeah. or something. And Adam has he's just had it in his head since Barnabas hurt him that he must hurt anyone who hurts him. Yeah, yeah. And when Sam hits him with his cane, Adam attacks him and hurts him so badly that he has to be rushed to the hospital. And they don't know whether or not at this point if he's going to live. Like yeah. he took a good blow to the head falling down. Let, yeah, like Adam pushed him and he and he hit his head really hard. Yeah, and yeah, this was. This was such a really sad scene because we have seen major character development with Sam to yeah. this point. I mean, if we think about Sam from where he was in the beginning, he was a drunk, he was troubled, he mm -hmm. had no life. He was a painter, but he was a drunk, not making any money. Yeah. And still, but now he's a proper father to Maggie, you know. And what I can kind of gather that I think that kind of started with Maggie's mom's death. Yeah. I yeah. I mean,. Maggie's mom died and he, you know, he saw what happened the night the man was killed with the car, you know, and, and, right. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's and, and right. Roger bought him out for $1,500, $15,000. And he started drinking and drinking and drinking. And, you know, Burke finally put a stop to that and Sam could get on with the rest of his life. And yeah. from there he, he got better and better. And it, it was just, it was so sad to, to see Sam meet his end yeah. this way, you know? Yeah. I don't know. He was very unceremoniously taken out. Yeah, and, and I was sad. I, I kind of wish we had gotten a better ending for Sam Evans, but um, or just I mean, kept not, him, or just kept him. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, we're not to the end yet. We're not to the end of Sam Evans yet, but we're pretty pretty I, darn close. I kind of so. feel like though Maggie Evans' character couldn't flourish if Sam was still there. Kind of true, you know true, what I mean? Because because a lot happens with Maggie. Sam was everything to Maggie. Yes, you know, and yes. without Sam, she had another she, avenue to. Go take a new road of life. You well, know? Once she realized how to exist without her father, yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 But we go back to the old house here. Yes, we're not there yet. <laughs> Julia um, is still waiting at the old house for Barnabas, and the note is still there. This time, though, she's standing like in the foyer, close to the drawing room, and she hears a woman sobbing at the basement, and then she goes to investigate. Yeah. And there at the walled-up alcove is the ghost of Josette, and she's just weeping and crying. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we haven't seen a Josette bailout help out here since the early David days, like when Agreed. he was playing in the old house before Barnabas arrived. Agreed. The last the last Josette bailout we saw was with Laura, I believe. 
I, I think so too. Like when, those early days. What, yeah, when Josette when Josette told Matt or Maggie, where when Josette told Vicky where David was in yeah. the in the burning shack with his mother. Yeah. I can't think of another Josette bailout. Since I know. Then. I'm really trying to think again, guys. Shout it out if you. Yeah. Because after Josette, we had Sarah Collins. You know, yes, Sarah yes. was the ghost helping. Yeah. So I think you're right. I mean, I mean, again, if y'all if y'all know of any ones that were missing, please let us know. Yeah. So well, yeah. while she's investigating down there, Willie shows up and tells her about the happenings at the Evans Cottage um, when the solving is heard again. Yes. Yes. Because she sees her and then she just disappears. You yeah. Know? She goes, well, that's odd. But you know, at this point, you know, nobody's really surprised to see a ghost at the old house because that's where the ghosts hang out. Yeah. At least Josette's ghost. You yeah. know. But they don't see Josette's ghost, but Julie remembers that she was standing in front of the alcove. She figures out that Barnabas, long story short, is in the wall. Yeah. He's right there. And that he's been there for three days and could most likely already be dead. Yeah. As, as, yeah. She's like, she's he's like, probably it just, dead. It just depends. I mean, we got to get in there. And I think, I think it's interesting that, you know, yes, we have a Josette bailout, you know, the first one we've seen in a very long time, but she didn't show up to help Barnabas until he was human again. I mean, he was genuinely a human Collins again. And we remember that David said that she would protect anyone with the name of Collins and yeah. Barnabas is finally human again. So Josette jumps in to help. You know, she'll protect anyone with the, with the name of Collins. And here we are. You know, she's true yeah. to her word. Oh, okay. Quick bunny trail, though, because it just kind of snapped my memory here. Anybody with the name of Collins, she'll always be there to help. She helped Vicky with, uh, what's his face? Uh, Matthew Morgan. Mm-hmm. It's because Vicky's actually a Vicky Collins, a guys. Collins, guys. <laughs> Except we... Put her in there however you want. She's a Collins. I wish. I, I still, to this day, wish we had got the end of that because that would have been so great for this show. That was a great show. story. And they went so far until the very, very freaking end. And yeah. they didn't give us yeah. the one answer. I know. And like, it's... And having that knowledge and listening to Vicky call Elizabeth Mrs. Stoddard for the duration of this show was just a little bit frustrating. I'm like, you could call her mom. You could call her mother. She's your yeah, mom. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Mm. Which, you know, at that point made us wonder, why does she help Vicky? Vicky wasn't a Collins. And we were like, is it because she was, you know, close with David or she was helping protect David? No, because Vicky, you know, if, if, if plans had gone the way they were supposed to, we would have found out that Vicky is actually... Elizabeth's daughter, you know. Yeah. Trask comes back to stop them from uncovering the wall. Mm -hmm. Julia pleads with Trask, and she reminds him that he sent in an innocent woman to the gallows. Yeah, yeah. And this time he is killing in cold blood. Yeah, yeah. He says he didn't He didn't realize that Vicky wasn't the witch. And okay, we'll buy it. But this time, you know exactly That's what you're doing. That's why we summoned you. Yeah. To tell you this is the witch, not yes. her. Yes. And he he hasn't even taken a stab at her yet. he just totally, like, papooed it. And yeah. just tunnel vision exactly. towards Barnabas. Agreed. It's so dumb. <laughs> I, that's trash. Agreed. And she urges him that if he must destroy, to destroy the evil one living at Collinwood. Mm -hmm. And this allows them... To take down the wall. Yeah. Like, she finally got through to him, yeah. and he just dissipates. Yeah. But um, we go back to Collinwood, where Elizabeth is pondering and consumed by the thought of her death. Death and her death. Yeah. And Cassandra pours her sherry and convinces her that she's Naomi. Of course. Of Starts course she convinced. Starts make her crazy. Isn't it funny that she convinced, she was able to convince Elizabeth that she was Naomi with a glass of sherry. Ugh. Naomi loved sherry. Yeah. Anything alcoholic. Yeah. Collins of Collinsport. Clean. I mean, her <laughs> mother-in-law at one point. She taunts Elizabeth and takes her to the mausoleum where her family is buried and urges her to join them and that they are waiting for her. Yeah. 
and Elizabeth runs out terrified, and Cassandra is all too satisfied and pleased with herself, and she starts an Angelique witch cackle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My pretty. But she is interrupted by a man who says one word. Witch. Witch. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't even have to turn around and look to know who it is. And she didn't even, she knew who it was. Oh, yeah. Trask found her and is prepared to destroy her finally. Yep. Finally, she manages to escape um, the fire he set, um, but he's not finished with her yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But for now, she's safe. Yep. So so, so from here, we go to Co- the Collinsport Hospital, yeah. where Sam is. You know, like we said, he's not gone yet. He's suffered a pretty bad concussion, and he's in pretty bad shape. And Joe feels responsible because he stormed out on Maggie because he was angry with her for seeing Willie, you know? You know what? I kind of held Joe a little responsible for it, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you. I Joe, mean, I, I love Joe. He means so well, but he is too... He's kind of a meathead. <laughs> he's too knight in shining armor. Yeah. Like, he tries to be the hero every time, and he just looks like a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's part of the reason why Carolyn didn't want him, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of... Because... He, he was too overbearing. He was, and I think that, I think he was too, he was too wholesome for her, you know? That too. You know she liked bad boys. Like oh, yeah. Look, look at Buzz. Look at, <laughs> Buzz. Look at Jeb Hawks. Look at Jeb Hawks. I, mean, I think the, one the only one who had his head on straight was uh, Tony. Yeah. And Adam, you know, she feels some kind of connection to Adam too. Carolyn's one of them girls that likes bad boys. And, and, and that, you know, is evident through, yeah. <laughs> through the show. Yeah. But. Well, and with the whole Tony thing with. Carolyn, yes, he is a good guy. He was just manipulated by a witch. Yeah, but unfortunately. But even the one good guy she found treated her like crap. Yeah. And turned out to be a, a dirt bag because of unfortunate, unfortunate yeah. events. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that just... I know that's had a lot to do with Carolyn's maturity and just that jadedness. Like, yeah. It's like, screw all y'all. She, she went through I'm a boss. lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she was. She yeah, was. And yeah. she was a pretty dang good one. Yeah. But, I mean, so Cassandra, she catches wind of all this, and she rushes to the hospital. She fakes kindness again and sends yeah. Maggie away to get her something to eat or get a cup of coffee. I'll sit with your father. You look tired. Go get some coffee, mm-hmm. you know. And she the begins to. Effort, yeah. 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 She is, she is desperate. And she begins to spell on Sam Evans and put some kind of potion into his water. And she is determined that he's going to have this dream, by golly, you know. And she wakes him up, makes him drink the water, and she was a little too hasty because Sam was about to say something about Adam. And Cassandra wanted to know what he was going to say, but he went to sleep because yeah. of the potion she put in the water. Yeah. And she doesn't find out what he was going to say. And Sam has the dream, and Vicky is his beckoner. And beyond Sam's door was Maggie, dressed in a black, dressed in black and laid out over a coffin. And... When he wakes, he figures out that it's his coffin. He's going to die soon, and he has to tell Vicky before he dies. Yeah. So Joe goes to Collinwood and takes Vicky back to the hospital. <laughs> and Maggie's already on the phone with Stokes, and, and you know, he's had the dream. What do we do? You know, yeah. Stokes warned him that night, if your father has the dream, you call me immediately. Yes, And yes. So, so that Maggie is following instructions here. Stokes does his best to keep Vicky from hearing the dream, but Vicky feels like she has an obligation to Sam. She feels sorry for him. Yeah. He's like, whatever I can do to help him, just let me hear what he's got to say. And, and, and Vicky, he, at this point, she's already heard everybody else's stories about how terrified they yeah, were. Yeah, exactly. And... Yeah, she's scared, but she, she wants to dying. help Sam. Sam Sam has been very like kind to Vicky. Like, like, like she, like, 
ever since the beginning, even when Sam was a drunk, he's been very, very kind to Vicky. Yeah. When she wanted to hear the story about Betty Hanscom, Sam told her everything that he knew mm-hmm. and said, here, take the painting. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what really happened in that manslaughter case. He was come over for dinner. You know, he was so yeah. kind to her. And Vicky just felt like whatever I can do to help him, you yeah. know. And he only gets about halfway, and he dies. Sam dies before he gets to tell her the dream. Yeah. And I know that Vicky was only there because she was the next recipient of the dream curse, but I felt it very touching that she was there for Maggie when her dad died. Yeah. yeah. And Maggie was her very first friend in Collinsport, and they mm-hmm. were always tight. And I and I really feel like this scene showed the love between the two of them. You know, they always said, "My best friend Maggie, my best friend Vicky." You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Carolyn. You're, you're the head. You're the head woman. So you're kind of out of our league. You're rich. Pretty much, yeah. That, that's <laughs> no, pretty much. And, and I felt bad for Carolyn because she really didn't have a whole lot of friends in that regard. Get you in, know? losers. We're going shopping. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, but I did appreciate the love between Maggie and Vicky. And Maggie was pretty torn up when when Vicky exited too. You know. So well, and back to Elizabeth. Um, at she's at a point right now where she pretty full on thinks that she is Naomi yeah. and refuses to believe anything else. Yeah. And Cassandra has convinced her. Um, but Trask comes after her and ends up tying her to the tree where he had tied up Vicky all those years ago and exercised the demons from her. Yeah. He is successful in banishing her from existence. Yeah. Barnabas and Julia find his skeleton back in the alcove at the old house. But Liz hasn't recovered. Yeah, that was a thing I could never figure out, is when Cassandra Angelique was banished when Trask exorcised her. Yeah. Why the spell still stayed with Elizabeth? I know. Why, why it didn't go away? That's kind of like with Barnabas's curse. Like, if he were to be destroyed, everything, they would just forget. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like a blank memory. But I never could figure that out. Yeah. And that's sad mm-hmm. she even goes so far as to take the same poison that naomi took but thank god that there has been medical advances and she survives yeah yeah and we learn now that the poison that naomi took so long ago was nightshade yeah they don't i think julie even says they don't even use this anymore yeah. like this this isn't we don't even use this anymore i don't even know where she got they don't this. need to use it anymore yeah. like we were saying advanced medical medi- advances medical advances yeah but it's like I, we don't even know where she got this, you know, Angelique. Yeah, <laughs> she probably brewed it. Pro- probably. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, she probably but, had some left over in her sewing room at the old yeah, house, you know. Yeah. But I don't think we knew that before this point. We, we didn't know that Naomi took nightshade. We never found out what it was. Yeah. Julie, as a doctor, she's like, it was nightshade, you guys. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, Julia strongly suggests that Liz is committed to Wincliffe. Yeah. If anything, to keep her safe. Yeah. And they try to contact uh, Professor Stokes to help them find out whether or not Cassandra is actually gone. And Adam is the one who picks up the phone at Professor Stokes's place. Yeah, so Professor, yeah, has taken on Adam, you yeah. know. And we, we already knew this, you know, and, and he, and he kind of picks up where Sam left off, you know. Yeah. But Professor's an excellent teacher. And he's excellent. a professor. He's a professor. <laughs> but he, I don't know, he, Adam advances so much with Professor Stokes. And we yeah. see that very, very soon. Yeah. But he goes to the Evans cottage looking for Adam. You know, he befriends Adam and picks up where Sam left off and teaches him how to be a man and how to speak to people and giving him flashcards to help him learn words. And, and Adam quickly, quickly outgrows the flashcards, you know. Yeah. 
And Stokes suggests that they find the portrait of Angelique and see what has happened to the portrait so that they can have some kind of clue as to what has happened to yeah. Cassandra Collins. Yeah. The portrait looks the way that it did when Vicky bought it, but it's very faded. Like, the colors aren't, aren't yeah. as vibrant. It's very faded. Yeah. Which tells me, so Cassandra is not completely 100% gone. I think she's still in the netherworld, probably. And <laughs> she's probably, yeah, yeah. Well, while they're all while they're all talking about this, thinking about this, there's a knock at the door at Collinwood, and guess it, who? it is none other than Nicholas Blair. Cat scratch fever, baby. Cat scratch fever. <laughs> Nicholas Blair posing as Cassandra's brother. Mm-hmm. Now Barnabas and Julia and Victoria yeah. all know that Cassandra is actually Angelique. She ain't got no. Sibling. So who the crap is this guy? Who is Nicholas Blair? But uh, we, we're going to get to that next time, you guys. So that's the pretty much the end of the dream curse. Um, we are going to uh, wrap it up 100% completely uh, next time we talk. But we are pretty much at the end of the dream curse. We're just going to finish up the last few things next time we talk. Um, but before we go tonight, there is a reminder, a very special thing that we have going on on Halloween this year, you guys. We are going to have the wonderful, the talented, the very knowledgeable... Patrick McRae joining us for this very special episode of Halloween is our very first guest spot oh, here on Between yeah. the Shadows, and we are so excited. This and has been a long time coming. A long time we are coming. We're so excited, Patrick. Yes. We cannot wait. We cannot wait. And I can't and wait for y'all to hear it. Yes. So we we're so we're gonna be once we wrap up this dream curse, we're gonna bring Patrick on. We're gonna talk all about this dream curse, yeah. and I I cannot wait. And we just we want to invite you guys to join us for this very 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 yes. very special episode Halloween of Between night, the Shadows. Guys. Halloween night. So um, once again, reach out to us. Comments, concerns, questions. We are on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and all your listening services. Or if you're old-fashioned, mm-hmm. send us an email at Between the Shadows 2021 mm-hmm. at Gmail. We're looking at it all. Yes, we, we see it all. We're very, there's two of us, so we're tag teaming this shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, friends, thank you so much. Remember to keep it between us and the shadows. Good night. Good night. Angelique Collins. The devil has painted your hair, but still I recognize you. You were responsible for my death. You let Victoria Winters hang when you were the guilty one. I have come back to right that wrong. The Lord has let me return. We shall see who is stronger, your master or mine. The eternal battle shall be waged again here in this house. You have Satan's words, but I have something stronger. Look at the cross. I thank the Lord for giving me the strength to battle her again. I swear that it shall not be given me in vain. The devils in you shall be driven out this day. You've been listening to Between the Shadows, a Dark Shadows podcast. All original Dark Shadows music, video clips, images, and media are the sole property of Dan Curtis Productions and is only used to promote Dark Shadows and should not be distributed, copied, or reproduced.